This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen... I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, a little bit more on this, folks. I know it's a lot to take in. It's an information-packed show. But if you want to fight the technocracy, you have to understand what it is and where it came from. And then you can start to figure out where they're going. With this, and I look at everything through the lens of an investigator, folks. My father is a private investigator. He has been one since I was a kid. He was a cop before that. So I grew up with him going out on investigations with him. Back then in the 80s, divorce was a big one. So I got to spy through people's windows and stuff when I was a little kid. So I look at things through the lens of an investigator, and uh, even my father used to investigate me, so I had to, uh, I had to evade him, folks. So I am uh, working on understanding what is going on here, so I can evade these folks, because the technocracy is uh, the most ever prying investigator out there. Everything is tracked. Everything is monitored. Let's just finish this up here on the precursors to technocracy. It says, from 1913 until 1922, Bogdanov immersed himself in writing a lengthy philosophical uh, treatise of original ideas. It was Tectology, Universal Organization Science. Tectology anticipated many basic ideas of systems analysis, later explored by cybernetics. And we're going to get into cybernetics soon because that plays a major part in this as well. Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, has been sending me a lot of information on cybernetics, asking me, when are you going to get to cybernetics? Or maybe she was telling me, you better get to cybernetics. It says, in Tectology, Bogdanov proposed unifying all social, biological, and physical sciences by considering them as systems of relationships and seeking organizational principles that underlie all systems. So social, biological, and physical. And so as you see now, as we enter the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merger of the physical, biological, and digital Well, back there in 1913, they didn't really have the digital here, folks. Uh, Of course, in 1913, we did create the IRS, the Federal Reserve, and the income tax. But that's a story for another day. But the very beginning of being able to harass people. 
arguably the platonic idea of philosopher kings represents a sort of technocracy in which the state is run by those with specialist knowledge in this case knowledge of the good rather than the scientific knowledge and so we know that we have philosopher kings we have people like Yuval Noah Harari the king philosopher to the World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution we have people like Ray Kurzweil people like Henry Kissinger, if we go back in time, people like uh, uh, Brzezinski, right? People like that. We'll get into some of these characters in more detail in future shows. It goes on to say the platonic claim is that one who best understood goodness should be empowered to lead the state as they would lead it towards the path of happiness. Whilst knowledge of the good uh, differs from knowledge of science, rulers are here appointed based on a certain grasp of technical skill rather than democratic mandate. So you will put the scientists and engineers that uh, believe in good in charge of the technocracy, right? So what is the idea of good and who are they being good to? All right, let me move over here now in Wikipedia. I'm not going to go through the rest of that article. There's a lot of stuff in here. If you want to read about it, just do Wikipedia technocracy and you will understand um, a little bit more. We'll go into depth eventually because I have read some books on this topic. I've watched a lot of videos, uh, listened to a lot of podcasts. But as I said, I'm just trying to give you uh, an understanding of this because we're moving here quickly from technocracy into trans humanism and then we'll talk about how uh, the two relate and how it actually all connects the technocracy movement was a social movement active in the united states and canada in the 1930s which favored technocracy as a system of government over representative democracy and concomitant partisan politics all right Historians associate the movement with engineer Howard Scott's Technical Alliance and Technocracy Incorporated prior to the internal factionalism that dissolved the latter organization during the Second World War. Okay, so you have here Howard Scott's Technical Alliance and Technocracy Incorporated. All right. And then what happened was there was a divide, and so the latter, Technocracy Incorporated, uh, dissolved uh, during uh, the Second World War. Technocracy was ultimately overshadowed by other proposals for dealing with the crisis of the Great Depression. The technocracy movement proposed replacing partisan politicians and business people with scientists and engineers who had the technical uh, expertise to manage the economy. But the movement did not fully aspire to scientocracy. Uh, And we can get into scientocracy as well, but uh, we don't need to do that right now. It goes on to say the movement was committed to abstaining from all partisan politics and the communist revolution. It gained strength in the 1930s, but in 1940, due to opposition to the Second World War, was banned in Canada. Now, interesting little fact, folks. I didn't pull it up for the show because I didn't want to get sidetracked because it deserves about an hour uh, worth my time on the show. But for those of you that don't know, 
Elon Musk's grandfather, his mother's father, was involved with the technocracy movement in Canada. Yes, he was. He was uh, a chiropractor and he was some sort of an adventurer and ends up with a little plane and then they end up in South Africa and he takes Elon Musk's mother May on all sorts of adventures, uh, basically like Indiana Jones. Some people would guess that he was some sort of intelligence agent. Uh, no one really knows. No one knows for sure. But Elon Musk's grandfather was part of the technocracy movement in Canada. So now you say, well, where did Elon Musk come from? That is where he came from. goes on. It was lifted in 1943 when it was apparent that Technocracy Inc. was committed to the war effort, proposing a program of total conscription. So at first, the technocracy movement was opposed to the Second World War. I've read a little bit about this, right? So they were banned from Canada, and then the ban was lifted. Once Technocracy Inc., which is defunct now, uh, got on board with the war effort. The movement continued to expand during the remainder of the war, and new sections were formed in Ontario and maritime provinces. The technocracy movement survives into the present day, and as of 2013, was continuing to publish a newsletter, maintain a website, and hold member meetings. Smaller groups included the Technical Alliance, the New Machine, and the Utopian Society of America. Okay, so let me just tell you, without going into this on uh, this show, on this episode, I've went and I've looked into all of these organized technocracy uh, movements, technocracy political parties, the majority of them are a joke. But it's similar to going and looking into, let's say, the libertarian party stuff and seeing how small it is, and then looking at the power of the people that call themselves the libertarians, the people like Peter Thiel, and then seeing how powerful they actually are. Although Peter Thiel really has nothing to do with libertarianism, he is not for liberty, he is not for freedom, he is a fascist who is using his technology and his companies to help the government step on the necks of everyone. I've done multiple episodes on Peter Thiel, I have showed you that clearly, he is involved with the military, he is involved with the IRS, he's involved with the CDC, he's involved with HHS, he was involved with COVID restrictions, he was on board to roll out the COVID passports. Peter Thiel is not a libertarian, but you can see how the libertarian movement, uh, which had a lot of powerful people. So if you take the Koch brothers, for those of you who had paid attention to politics over the last decade, who were very instrumental in hijacking the Republican Party, uh, they put a lot of money into it. And although you didn't see libertarians winning races all over the country, these guys who called themselves libertarians had a major stranglehold over, let's say, Republican politics. So with technocracy, you may see that the parties, the groups, the organizations are sort of goofy for the most part, not all of them. But then you have to look to the real technocrats, the guys inside government, the bureaucrats, the military doctors, the uh, Silicon Valley CEOs, you know, those are the real technocrats. They don't need to meet under a banner of the technocratic 
party folks the technocrats are in power but they don't have to go meet and drink coffee together at the technocratic party committee meeting all right ladies and gentlemen when we get back short overview and then we're going to move over to transhumanism again and we're working our way towards showing you what technocratic transhumanism is ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's continue with this overview here of technocracy. We need to have this as we move forward, folks. And if this is your first time listening to this show, thank you for joining us. And definitely go back and listen to the previous 69 episodes, folks. Please do that. Uh, I intentionally do not do breaking news so that you can listen to these shows at any time. They are evergreen. They are all very important. They will help you understand the world we're living in, where we came from, and hopefully we'll start to figure out where we are going. Although I give you my opinions all the time on where we were going. I think a lot of you are starting to understand and think this way. That is the whole point here. We need to become our own futurist, folks. We need to understand the technology and the systems that are being developed by the technocratic transhumanism, uh, transhumanists so that we can avoid this stuff as much as possible in our lives. Unless, of course, you're listening because you want to live in this and you're excited about where this is going. And so you just listen to me talk about this. So you go, wow, I like this and that's where I want to go. Well, I guess more power to you then. All right. It says right here, technocracy advocates content, uh, uh, advocates contended that price system-based forms of government and economy are structurally incapable of effective action and promoted a society headed by technical experts, which they argued would be more rational and productive. The coming of the Great Depression ushered in radically different ideas of social engineering, culminating in reforms introduced by the New Deal. By late 1932, various groups across the United States were calling themselves technocrats and proposing reforms. By the mid-1930s, interest in the technocracy movement was declining. Some historians have attributed the decline of the technocracy movement to the rise of Roosevelt's New Deal. Historian William E. Aiken rejects the conclusion that technocracy ideas declined because of the attractiveness of Roosevelt and the New Deal. Instead, Aiken argues that the movement declined in the mid-1930s as a result of the technocrats' failure to devise a, quote, viable political theory for achieving change, end quote. Aiken postulates that many technocrats remained vocal and dissatisfied and often sympathetic to anti-New Deal third-party efforts. 
one of the most widely circulated images in Technocracy Inc.'s promotional materials, for instance, used the example of a streetcar to argue that design solutions will always succeed where legislation or fines fail. If passengers insist on riding the car's dangerous outer platform, leaders need only design cars without platforms problem solved. So you see what they're saying here, right? So if passengers insist on riding the car's dangerous outer platform, leaders need only design cars without platforms. So the scientists and engineers will identify the problem and try to fix the problem. The issue, as I said, the problems will never end when these people are in control because they are trying to engineer towards perfection. The other thing is that many of them, and I find this, uh, I would love to have a discussion with someone uh, about this. I'm not here pushing Christianity, as I've said, but if you remove the idea of God or creator or mother nature or natural world, Uh, from the equation, then it allows humans to play God. And that's what I find that many of these folks are doing. And so I I just wanted to give you a background there on where technocracy grew out of. So when we talk about it, you understand that this stuff comes out of the 1920s, out of the 1930s. It's not new. It's not like the World Economic Forum or Klaus Schwab came up with these ideas. They just happen to be sort of put in a position to advocate for technocracy and to move it forward into practice through their new public-private partnerships that have been developed and so now you see all of these world governments on board with the uh, supposed private or publicly traded uh, corporations and now uh, i just wrote to a friend of mine on facebook who was complaining about uh, china and their zero covid policy and i told him you know this is worldwide in each country there's varying degrees and different strategies but at the end this is about moving technocracy into control and so you have to look at what the World Economic Forum is doing, but really look back to where the history of technocracy comes from, understand what its intentions were, and you will see that that's actually what is being put into practice today, folks. So once you understand the history, you can actually understand where we are today, and then you can obviously draw conclusions based on that to see where we're going in the future. I think right now they are so powerful because the the system of government you're going to have is based on who is in control. And so right now I think these people are in control. They're in positions of power, and so they can move it forward. It doesn't really matter what we want. I do believe that they would prefer... Uh, that we accept the adoption campaigns and that they could propagandize us, brainwash us, and mind control us into the technocratic prison planet rather than have to try to corral us by force. So that's part of the reason why some of these scientists and engineers, particularly inside of the military, 
talk about the need to convince the general public to get on board with, to accept this idea of technocracy and transhumanism, because it makes it much easier for them to walk us onto the cattle car if we do it willingly. If they have to push us there uh, or threaten us to go there by gunpoint, even though there is that veiled threat all the time, because if you go up against the government or you reject their ideas, they will come and get you with guns. But they don't want to have to send military into the streets to corral everyone into the metaverse and force them to put on VR goggles. I don't think they have to. I think they have effectively brainwashed a large uh, portion, a large majority of not just people here in the United States, but all across the uh, West. Everyone else that they deem to be, you know, second world, even third world, I mean, they're just going to probably bomb them out of existence. All right, it goes on to say origins. Uh, and I just want to finish up a couple more things on here before we get back to transhumanism. The technocracy movement has its origins with the progressive engineers of the early 20th century and the writings of Edward Bellamy, along with some of the later works of Thorsten Veblen, such as Engineers and the Price System, written in 1921. William H. Smith, a California engineer, we discussed him earlier, invented the word technocracy in 1919 to describe the quote, the uh, quote, the rule of the people made effective through the agency of the servants, the scientists, and engineers, end quote. And in the 1920s, it was used to describe the works of Thorsten Veblen. Early technocratic organizations formed after the First World War. These included Henry uh, Gantz, quote, the new machine, end quote, and Veblen's, quote, Soviet of Technicians, end quote. These organizations folded after a short time. Writers such as Henry Gantt, Thorsten Veblen, and Howard Scott suggested that business people were incapable of reforming their industries in the public interest and that control of industry should thus be given to the engineers. And so what you're seeing now, folks, is the business people uh, are, in fact, the engineers or at least you're supposed to think of them as engineers as technologists people like elon musk eric schmidt uh you know late steve jobs bill gates jeff bezos so now you have these sort of uh they call them these tech geeks that are also the business people so instead of actually reforming their industries, they basically consolidated and monopolized those industries under the rule of the engineers. So if these guys, and we'll eventually get to them, uh, Henry Gant, uh, Thorstein Veblen, and Howard Scott actually believed that when the engineers were in power, uh, in control of industry and government, that they were somehow going to look out for the public interest, they were mistaken, <laughs> right? Because if you put an engineer in charge of an entire industry or government, they themselves then become the business person or the politician. And once you have a taste of power, folks, uh, what is it? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so there you go. Uh, these guys, I wonder if they are rolling in their graves right now saying, wait a second, this wasn't supposed to happen. All right, let's just go into the technocrats plan. I'm actually going to skip over. There's a section here you might want to read, which is United States and Canada. And this gets a little bit into more of the history of 
the uh, technocracy movement. But that's not really important. I think after this show, you will have a pretty solid understanding of technocracy and where it came from. And I think when you look at World Economic Forum and these other think tanks, you understand where it is at today. But let's just look at this. This is the technocrats' plan. In a publication from 1938, Technocracy, Inc., the main organization made the following statement defining their proposal. Technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population of this continent. And that's what you've heard me talk about before, right? And and this was one of the first defined, one of the first defined uh, technocracy statements of what it is they were trying to do. Just like earlier in the show, I read sort of my statement and what I'm trying to do here at the Dust and Gold Standard. So let's listen to that one more time. Technocracy is the science of social engineering, the scientific operation of the entire social mechanism to produce and distribute goods and services to the entire population of this continent. So they wanted to be in control of production and distribution of goods and services to the entire population. And that's what I've said to you before. It is complete and total control by the scientists and engineers over the production of goods and the distribution of those goods, including what would be the rationing of those goods. Let's continue. For the first time in human history, it will be done as a scientific technical engineering problem. There will be no place for politics or politicians, finance or financiers, rackets or racketeers. Technocracy states that this method of operating the social mechanism of the North American continent is now mandatory because we have passed from a state of actual scarcity into the present status of potential abundance in which we are now held to an artificial scarcity forced upon us in order to continue a price system which can distribute goods only by means of a medium of exchange." And I, and I will analyze this shortly. Technocracy states that price and abundance are incompatible. The greater the abundance, the smaller the price. In a real abundance, there can be no price at all. Only by abandoning the interfering price control and substituting a scientific method of production and distribution can an abundance be achieved. Technocracy will distribute by means of a certificate of distribution available to every citizen from birth to death. The technate will encompass the entire American continent from Panama to the North Pole because the natural resources and natural boundary of this area make it an independent, self-sustaining geographical unit. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that for a moment. So the scientists and the, and the engineers We're advocating for them to control the entire system of production and the distribution of goods and services. They would be in control of this. And so 
if you want to be in control of the means of production and distribution, it sounds very communist-like. Now, you can argue that capitalism or any other form of uh, economics, governance, politics um, are inefficient or have failed, but would you want to put the scientists and the engineers in charge of your work schedules, in charge of the factory schedules, and then in charge of the distribution of the goods and limiting how many of these goods you can have ladies and gentlemen that is what they were advocating for i'll be right back this is dust and gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 